I'm going to talk tonight. Um, I, I even gave it a title. This is good. <laughs> and I'm going to call it, It's Not About His Name, It's About His Calling. It's not about his name. It's about his calling. And uh, I, I told my husband, I said, I feel kind of bad because all I'm going to do is talk about the Bible tonight. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> now you guys are really making me nervous. I said, I, I don't have any funny stories. I, you know, and I like to be funny because I, you know, I, I that's how I get rid of my nervousness by be, trying to be a comedian. But, uh, but I, I was just, I mean, I've, I've chewed on this yesterday, and then my husband asked me last night to teach, and I said, well, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I said, let me sleep on it. <laughs> but I, I kind of knew that uh, I had a little thought that the Lord had kind of laid on my heart yesterday, or it's kind of, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to blame the Lord that he laid it on my heart. And... Uh, so then when I got an opportunity, I, I've just kind of thought about this all day and walked around the mall. That's a great time to study. It's just go, you know, shop and think about Jesus. <laughs> now I'll preach. Uh, and I'm not a preacher, though. Uh, then I went home and I, you know, got some uh, good iced tea with Splenda and sat down at my desk and just, you know, it's fun to study the Bible. It's just fun. It's fun. It really is fun. And so I just sat there and I wrote. I mean, I've just got pages and pages of notes. And I'm going to really try to go through this quickly so you all can go home and go to bed. But um, I just have a little... Somebody said amen. That was probably my daughter back there. But that wasn't you? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just got off of oh, ten and a half hours. Oh my word, I will put you to sleep. <laughs> um, the Old Testament comes to an end in the book of Malachi. And in the book of Malachi, it's pretty much God is, he, he's pretty much fed up with, with the, the Hebrews, Israelites, whatever you want to call them. And, uh you know, if you look at the Old Testament, you know, they, they repent, and they're on board with God, and then they backslide, and it's kind of an up, down, up, down, up, down thing, and finally God just said, you know what, I've just kind of, kind of had it, you know, even the priests, they're, you know, I can't, I can't depend on anybody, so um, I guess I'm going to sit back and uh, lounge and just watch you all do your thing, and, you know, I don't know if God eats Twinkies and drinks Diet Coke or whatever, but he just kind of <laughs> sits up there and goes... Y'all have at it for a while, because I am just tired. I am just kind of tired of all this. But I promise you, and this is in the book of Malachi, I promise you that I will come again, and, and we, I will redeem you, and there will come a Savior, and uh, it'll happen. And uh, I, uh, now, forgive me for this wonderful spiritual illustration, but uh, I remember back in my day <laughs> when I was younger, TV didn't go 24 hours, and there would come a time about 11 or 12, or maybe it was 1 in the morning, I remember, and TV went off, and if you turned the TV on, it was just a bunch of lines just going up and down. Now, some of you cannot even relate to that, <laughs> but when I, you've never even heard of that, have you? No, because you're young, and I know about it because I'm old. Not really, but... Um, 
But that's kind of what it reminds me of. God just like, okay, shut off. Y'all just do what you want to do. So what we have, there's no written knowledge of any divine intervention or any divine revelation from God for 400 years. And it's called the 400 years of silence. But at the end of that 400 years, there is a man by the name of Zechariah, and he's a priest. And I like that, just that little thought there, uh, that there was someone, and, and there, there, there were people that, that really did desire to have God back in their life, so to speak. Zechariah was a priest. He was married to a daughter of Aaron. And I think the scripture kind of tells us that just to let us know that this was a priestly family. It also tells us in the book of Luke that they, these, this particular couple walked in all the commandments of God blameless. And that speaks to me because <clears throat> here you have this couple who had, they, they have the word, the Old Testament, but no new divine uplifting revelation, and yet the Bible says that they're walking in all the commandments of God. Now that kind of speaks to me because, you know, I go to church and I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost and divine inspiration from the pastor or whatever, or even if I get on my knees, I can feel that. And sometimes I have difficulty walking in all the commandments of God. But here you have someone who they are just depending on the word of God to just do what's right. And I, I look at this couple and I, I, I just, I love them. Zechariah was, the priesthood was divided up into, I, I don't remember, I didn't look at my notes, but there's like diff, 24 different courses of the priesthood. And he was from the division called the division of Abiah. And then within that division, they would have different, jobs that they would do periodically. And it was the uh, job at this particular time for Zechariah uh, to be in the temple lighting, uh, lighting the, uh, just burning incense into the, in the temple of the Lord. So here's this priest that's married to this daughter of Aaron by the name of Elizabeth. They're a great couple. They're walking in all the commandments of God, blameless, they're ministering, or he's ministering, and they, they've got a great pedigree. They're just, they're just good people. But there's something that's very difficult in their lives, and that is the fact that they have no children. Uh, and, you, and you can look at the story and you can go, these are great people. Why, why did they have any kids? Um, back in their, their day... It was a little bit different than in our day. If I don't want to have, I mean, it's too late for me, but if you don't want to have kids, you don't have to have kids. Nobody, you know, do your own thing. That's the way we do it in our world, and nobody should ask anybody else because everybody can live their own life the way they want. But back then, it was a little different. Um, custom and culture said that a woman, well, uh, her greatest calling in life would be to be married and to please her husband and give him children, especially a male child. Now, that didn't necessarily come from God. That was custom and culture. My, and, and it has been said, and Brother Kilman can uh, say if this is right, but it has been said by some that man really wasn't even a man unless he had a son. 
So I like to joke and say, Brother Barkus has never become a man, and neither will he, because he's not getting any sons. But in their day, he's not in here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when he comes in the door, let's all laugh, okay? Uh, but um, but in their day, it was different. It was there was that there was that extreme pressure to have a child. Because in their day, it was all about their name passing on to the next generation and the next generation. It was all about passing on their inheritance to the next generation. It was all about name. It was all about who you were related to in, in many respects. And so here you have this couple that have no children, good people, wonderful people, people that walked in all the commandments, even when it was probably very tough. And so here we have this man, Zechariah, and he is ministering in the temple, doing what he's supposed to do. And um, all of a sudden, he is visited by an angel. Now, that, that's like, okay, he's visited by an angel, no big deal. But listen, I mean, I've heard people say to me, I have seen an angel, but for 400 years, he didn't have a grandpa or a great-grandpa to say, you know, I remember back in the day we did see an angel. Nobody's alive that had seen an angel. And so here he is ministering, and I don't know, he's lighting this incense, and all of a sudden he feels this being there, and I probably would have passed out, but uh, he turns around, there's an angel. What does the angel look like? I don't know. A woman, a woman didn't write the Bible, so we have no details. So, all we know is that it was an angel. The Bible says it was an angel. Did he have wings? I don't know. Did he look like a man? I don't know. I don't know, but it was an angel. So here's this man whose life, he's just doing what's right. He could have been bitter. He could have said, you're not going to give me a child, God. I mean, good grief. Um, why should I serve you with all my heart and do everything that's right. You know, you haven't answered my prayers. But he, he wasn't bitter. He just did what was right. And so this angel, I don't know if he taps him on the shoulder or what he does, but he says to him several things. And I want to talk about really three or four of them. The first thing the angel says to him is, your prayer is heard. Now, how many of you would like to hear an angel say to you tonight, your prayer is heard. Now, when I was a, a kid growing up, I always thought that that prayer that was heard was for a baby, but it wasn't because they're so old. And um, uh, this isn't women of the Bible. I have to be very careful what I say here. Uh, but uh, she's she can't have kids. She's so old. Okay, her plumbing shut off or whatever you want to call it. Uh, your prayer is heard. So, what was that prayer that was heard? The prayer that was heard was God was going to visit Israel again. After this 400 years of silence, God was going to come back and talk to his people once again. Then he says, and your prayer is heard, and I want to tell you, old man, your wife is going to have a son. <laughs> okay. Number three, and he didn't say it exactly like this, but this is what he said. 
but it's not going to be about your son's name. But it's going to be about your son's calling. Because he says to him, your prayer's heard, your wife's going to have a son, and you're going to call his, your son's name John. And if you're not real careful, you just read over that in the Bible. But that was a big deal. Because, for some reason, names meant something. And there wasn't any relatives of his by the name of John. And it's going to be about his calling. The angel says to him, your son is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. There's a difference in being great and being great in the sight of the Lord. There's a difference in having it all about your name and who you are and who you're related to and who, whose coattails you can cling to. And I'm not against any of that, so hang on, we'll, we'll get there. But what the, this angel was saying to him was, your son, it's not going to be about being somebody Ben Zachariah. Your son's just going to be John. But not just John. He is going to be about the calling of God. He is going to be there uh, to prepare a way for the coming of the Messiah. For he was going to make a way for uh, the people to be ready when the Lord came. It was about turning people's hearts back to the Lord. It wasn't about becoming a priest. Think about that. Jesus was coming, and the whole priesthood thing was really going to change. He didn't need John the Baptist to become just another priest. He needed John the Baptist to prepare the way so people would be ready to receive the Lord. So, Zachariah's like, oh, uh, whereby shall I know this? In other words, can you give me a sign? Be careful what you ask of the Lord. Has anybody here ever asked the Lord for a sign? He says, oh, so how can I know this? Can you give me a sign? Uh, you know, because I'm an old man, I'm an old codger, my wife is well stricken in years. And so the angel says, sure, I can give you a sign. You won't talk anymore until that son is born. Ah! Great, can I take that back? No. <laughs> so he goes home. We don't know. How, he comes in, and I don't know how he's communicating really with his wife. I saw something today when I was looking at this. It almost appears that not only is he dumb and not able to speak, but it almost appears that he cannot hear. Because when they go to, uh, this is, I'm going fast forward now, once this baby's born and it's time for the circumcision, uh, and they're trying to give this baby a name, they are signing to Zechariah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So whether or not he was deaf and dumb, at least the angel only said, you're not going to be able to speak. But it almost appears that he can't hear. I don't know. So when you get to heaven, you find that out too. We'll ask the women. No fun. <laughs> so anyway fast forward nine months the baby is born this cute little baby and I asked Juan, Brother Juan if his ba little baby boy was here and of course no 
He's backslidden already, staying home. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's the eighth day after the baby is born. And uh, I, I, I kind of chuckled because if you look at Luke, we're in Luke. I guess I didn't tell you that. Luke chapter 1 and um, verse number 59. First of all, everybody's all excited how the Lord has shown great mercy on Elizabeth, and that's because she didn't have a child, and she hadn't been doing her responsibility giving a son to this priest. So they're all excited for her. And then on the eighth day, I just chuckled because it says, they came to circumcise the child. And I can just see all these people walking in with these knives and going, oh, my Lord, this poor kid. That was funny. And, they, <laughs> and so they come in. They come in to circumcise the child, and that's done on the eighth day, by the way, because it's on the eighth day that blood coagulates. So if they hadn't followed the commandment just right and decided they were going to circumcise this baby on the sixth day, we would have bled to death. But being the creator God, he gave the, the rule because he knew what it was all about on the eighth day. So it's on the eighth day that they come to circumcise this child. At the time of circumcision, it was the time when they gave the baby the name, which is quite interesting. Um, our daughter, Erica, now, no circumcision here, but <laughs> Erica, when she was born, they would come in and go, what's the name of the baby? And we're like, we don't know yet. Uh, I mean, people are looking at us like, you've had nine months to come up with a name for a baby. Well, you don't understand. My husband would have a name that he liked, and I didn't like it. And then I'd have a name, and he didn't like it. And, and, and sometimes I wonder, how in the world do we agree on anything now? But, it, you know, as time goes by, you just kind of meld together. So there's always hope. <laughs> but about three days after the fact, we finally named Erica. You know, people say... Well, I just have to know. She has to look like an Erica. What does an Erica look like? <laughs> I mean, what is? Oh, she just looks like a Sarah. What's a Sarah? I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's doesn't make any sense. But anyway, the next time somebody says that, just go mm -hmm, mm -hmm, whatever. So they come to circumcise this child, and when they do that, they call the name. Here's these neighbors trying to name this baby. They name the baby Zachariah. Makes sense. After the name of the father. And now Elizabeth speaks up and she says, not so. His name is going to be called John. In other words, no, he's not going to be Zachariah. Because this baby, it's not about his name. This baby is being born because it's all about his calling. And they're like, no, his name's going to be Zachariah. So that's when they start signing now to Zachariah. And Zachariah says, by way of, I guess, a little wooden tablet or something, I don't know how they did it, he writes, his name is John. And when he says his name is John, a miracle takes place and his tongue is loosed and he's able to talk again. Names, like I said, are given, were given at the time of circumcision. Circumcision was that time of entering into that covenant with the Lord. If you go back to Abraham, uh, when the Lord gave the covenant of circumcision 
His name is Abram. God changed at that point to Abraham. He changed Sarai to Sarah at this time when uh, the baby was circumcised. And I'll just throw this in, and this really has absolutely nothing to do with this lesson, but it hit me one day in the book of Colossians, chapter 2. It talks about uh, the circumcision of the heart. And when that takes place, it takes place at baptism. And you know what? When we have that circumcision of the heart and we go down and we're baptized in Jesus' name, we come up with a new name. That name of Jesus. That name that's so important. That name that takes precedent in my life. That name that is greater than any name that I have, that you have. The name of Jesus. So he says his name is John. And then he begins to prophesy about how the Lord is going to visit Israel again and how he is going to perform mercies and he's going to uh, uh, <clears throat> take care of that oath that he swore to Abraham. And then, and I wanted Juan to do this so bad. I should have called you Juan. I'm so, so sad. But in verse 76 of Luke chapter 1, this is one of the neatest little scriptures. I can see Zechariah picking up this little son with the dark hair, just like, just like Juan's little boy. He's cute, cute, cute. And holding that little baby in his arms. And the thing that any dad or mother wanted was to say, I'm passing on to you this lineage, this heritage. This inheritance, my love. But he didn't do that. He holds that little guy and he says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. <laughs> See, there's a greater calling. There's a greater thing that we can pass on to our kids than our name. There's a greater thing that we can pass on to our children an inheritance. He says, son, you're going to be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Dad says, I'm not passing on to you my name, but I'm passing along to you by way of heaven a calling. A calling. I said laugh when he comes in, but let's not do that because I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> At that moment, dad surrendered his child to the calling of God. Luke chapter 1 verse 80 says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. He wasn't being tra or trained to be priest Zach Jr. He wasn't going around in priestly robes with the phylacteries. But the Bible says that he was in the desert 
He was clothed in camel's hair. He was eating locusts and wild honey. And he stayed there, and he must have been trained by the Spirit. I don't know how, or if he just had the Old Testament and was reading. I don't know. A woman didn't write the Bible. <laughs> but when he came into ministry, he preached two things. What did he preach? He preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, which I had never seen before, or I guess I had, but I never paid any attention to those words. Luke chapter 3 and verse 3, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. He preached that we aren't born perfect. He preached that in all of our lives is something that we need to repent for. He preached that there is coming a God that will take care of those sins that we've all committed. Then the second thing he did after he preached repentance was he did what? Anybody? He baptized. This is not a hard question. <laughs> you guys are scared to death that I'm throwing out a, a trick question. He said, I indeed baptize you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He preached repentance and he preached baptism in preparation for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He preached, get this, he preached repentance and he preached baptism to prepare people for the Lord. In Luke chapter 3, he had some people come to him and he, he gives them a hard time and I don't know that we could have handled a preacher like him. He calls them, oh generation of vipers <laughs> who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And then he says something interesting. He says, and begin not to say within your, ourselves, yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. I think what he's saying there is, don't try that family stuff on me. Don't try that family stuff on me. Because, you know, maybe my name should have been Zachariah. But it's not about who your daddy is. It's about getting yourself and your heart right for the Lord. You can't receive God just because of your family connection. He's like, get rid of that. But if you will repent and you will be baptized, you'll be ready to receive the Lord. So then that's just a good little Bible lesson. But what does that have to do with me? I'm not Zachariah. I'm not Elizabeth. I'm not John the Baptist. So what? <clears throat> I think that there's a little message that's the same. And that is, it's not about my name. It's not about who my daddy is. That's not negative, because I love my daddy. And as a matter of fact, I hope my dad has some inheritance for me someday. <laughs> but the bottom line is, it's about my calling. And my calling is the same calling that John the Baptist had. And that is to make a people ready for Jesus. 
It's the same, it's the same calling. Mm -hmm. Luke 24, 47 says that repentance and baptism should be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 1, 8 says, ye shall be witnesses. Then Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, on the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter says the same message that John the Baptist said. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And what? Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? Who is the Holy Ghost? It's Jesus. It's Christ in me. The same message on the day of Pentecost is the same message today. Repent. Be baptized. And your heart will be prepared to receive the Lord. It's not about my name. It's about a greater name. Think about that. It's not about my name. I can't do one thing for you with my name. And if I even sign a check for you, it might bounce. It's not about my name. But it's about his name. It's not about my ambitions. Although there's nothing wrong with ambitions. There's nothing wrong with being successful in this world. Not one thing wrong with that. Matter of fact, you should pursue that if you do it in an honest manner. It's not about our, my bank account. Really what it's all about is about my calling. God didn't call me to just save me. I mean, just to save me. He saved me to call me to bring somebody else. You can still have a great name. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, forgive this example, but I, I really like this example. And I don't know a thing about it except I've heard about it on the radio a little bit and in the newspaper. Tebow. 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 Yeah, I woke you up. Tebow. Tebow's got a name, folks. He's got a great name and a great paycheck. And I wish he would have won the Super Bowl, but... But I guarantee you, if he if he walked in this room right now, I'd say to him, hey, what's the greatest thing, your name or your calling? He's got himself in a lot of hot water over his calling. For God so loved the world. But you know what? It's about our calling. It's not about our name. You can have a great name, but it's still not about your name. The most important thing we can do is point someone to Jesus. And you and you can sit there and you can go, well, but I'm not good at this, and I'm not. the Bible makes makes it okay because it says some plant and some water. In other words, maybe somebody just encourages somebody. Maybe, maybe for you it's just you just live the life of good grief. You couldn't say anything to anybody without passing out. You know, the Lord uses some people to talk. The Lord uses some people to put your arm around somebody. The Lord uses some people to really know scripture. The Lord, I mean, the Lord, the Lord uses all of us and he gives each of us different talents. But the Lord gives every one of us something that we can share to prepare 
someone to receive him. Acts chapter 19 is an interesting uh, chapter. Paul is uh, preaching in the upper coast of Ephesus, and he finds some certain disciples, and they must have been older, little older people. And he says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, well, we, we don't know anything about any Holy Ghost. And he says, well, unto what were you baptized? Were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. And Paul says, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. This couple of disciples had gone through the repentance, and now they went through the baptism, and they were ready to receive the Lord. John had done his job, and though, even though it was years later, they received the Lord. I believe that the Lord is, is probably going to come pretty soon. I, this world is just, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Sometimes I just go, wow, this is just, it, it's incredible. Whether he does or whether he doesn't, I want to bring as many people as I can to know the Lord, to be ready for the coming of the Lord. It's not about your name. It's about your calling. What do you know about the sons of the neighbors that came that day to the house of, of Zachariah and Elizabeth? Nothing. What do you know about the son of Zechariah? Did he get cheated? The greatest thing we can do is to follow our calling. And that calling is really simple. Make someone's heart prepared. We kind of had fun the other day, my friend and I, her, her sister, just out of the blue, they started going to church. Not an apostolic church, but it's a church. And so she put something about her church on there, and oh, I don't know what it was. And I said, well, if you just come to our church, you could sit between Lisa and I, and we wouldn't talk anymore. Just, all I did was throw something out there to just... Get her to think about our church. And at the end, we, and so we joked back and forth all Sunday, Lisa and, and, and I. And she's like, yeah, I'll come. And Lisa's even thrown out dinner, and I hope she invites me when she has her sister over and all that. But you know what? Whenever there's a small opportunity, get that little rope out in a fun way. Forget who you are and do something. It's all about 
the most important thing when I stand before the Lord is that I'm great in his sight. It really doesn't matter if I'm great in your sight. Matter of fact, I'm sure you are ready to go home. But it's not about how great I am. It's not about how much money I make. Although I, I sure hope I can start making some. I keep thinking about those businesses Brother Mooney's talking about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll give my money to church. Yeah. As long as I can take a Hawaiian cruise or something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's not about my name. But it's about my call. And he's called us all to do the same thing. Be witnesses unto him. Maybe it's at the grocery store. Maybe it's at the tanning booth. Maybe it's on the golf course. Maybe it's when Juan's getting a big, big, big account. But when you weigh the account, the calling, there's nothing like it. Let's pray. Jesus, lay some soul on our hearts tonight, God. Jesus, what I do tomorrow is, is important, God, because, you know, you want us to be productive citizens, God. But the most important thing that I can do tomorrow is to help someone to prepare their hearts to meet you, God, to receive you. Put somebody on our hearts right now, God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to every day just think, how can I help somebody? I pray that you would just move in this room right now, God, and just help us. Jesus, in your precious name, I thank you for repentance, God. I thank you that you ever forgave me of my sins, God. I'm thankful that I can come to you every day and ask you to cover me with your blood. I'm so thankful for repentance, God. I'm thankful for the day, Lord, that I was baptized in your name. Jesus, God, when you washed all my sins away, Lord, when you gave me a new name, Lord, when I was attached to you, God, I thank you for that message, God. Repentance and baptism is not some downer message, God, but it's an exciting message, God. You took my sins away, God. Hallelujah. I thank you for the day that you gave me the Holy Ghost, God, and I spoke in other tongues, Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. Help me, Lord, not to just dwell on the fact that I'm saved, God, but help me, Lord Jesus to preach the message of John the Baptist, God. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I hope I didn't bore you. No, I didn't. I just, I want, I want to be able to go shopping and let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I want to be able to go to the grocery store and smile at the lady that's taking all my money <laughs> and say something about, oh, you got a great, man. Wait, I just came from church. This is just, I go to the greatest church. 
That's all you have to, you don't just you don't have to even get into some big long hairy Bible study. Do that later. You just just reach out and make a people prepared for the Lord. All right, I'm done. We don't have any donuts or anything, so might as well.